I'm Ashley Keenan and you're listening to Every Mum, the podcast, now in its 10th season and supported by Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland, made with simply two ingredients and nothing else. When I had my daughter, I wanted something I could trust to use on her skin and Water Wipes were and still are the one. I once made the mistake of trying a different brand. Never again. I didn't realise just how much of a difference there could be between two fairly similar brands, but it was huge. My daughter is now two, and I still panic if I don't have at least one pack of water wipes within line of sight. With that in mind, I'm happy to say this season is supported by that most essential of products for every mum, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2022, including Best Baby Wipes, they are ideal for delicate newborn skin. Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Every Mum, the podcast with me, Ashlyn Keenan, your host. This episode, we speak to award-winning TV presenter, Anna Daly. So most of you will know Anna, I would imagine. Um, She's obviously a TV presenter. She has a clothing brand called Little Bliss, And she is also a mother to three boys, so it's safe to say she has her hands full. So this episode we cover, we talk about how she kind of keeps everything together in her life, how she makes it all work. We also talk about letting things go and, you know, not caring about a messy room or an unwiped counter when all your kids want is for you to be present. We talk about the importance of prioritising your own friendships and your own life in the whirlwind of parenting and that it's not selfish to want to keep that going while you're the custodian of, in Anna's case, three other little lives. She talks about how the support of her husband Ben and his level of flexibility in his work kind of keeps the show on the road in terms of pickups and childcare and all that kind of thing, the logistics basically. We also at some point talk about um, how Anna suffered devastating pregnancy losses before she conceived her first child. And if that area, if miscarriage isn't a sensitive topic for you or you'd rather not listen to that part of the content, skip on about 10 minutes and join us for the latter part of the episode. I hope you enjoy. Anna Daly, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum of the Podcast. How are you this morning? I am good. It's Monday yeah. morning, so I have coffee at the ready, but I'm good to go, Ashling. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I was just, just before we started there, I was chatting to Anna about the dramatics over the weekend in my house. So essentially, Lydia, who is to shoved some cheese up her nose and we had to fly down to the VHI clinic, um, which I'm forever thankful for, by the way, because imagine going to A&E with cheese up the nose and there's actual emergencies, you know. So we went down to the VHI and they extracted it, but it's just, there's never a dull moment. Sure, there isn't. Never a quiet moment. No, no. When it comes to like kids parenting. Yeah. And if someone had have told me this a few years ago, I think I would have appreciated it. But one worry replaces the next. Yes. So anyway, oh God, yeah. if, you're, if you're listening to this, I suppose, and you're worried about something to do with your child this week, nine times out of 10, that worry is going to be gone next week. That's the good news. The bad news is it's going to be replaced with something else. But I think <laughs> you quickly realize they're all temporary worries, aren't they? Totally. That's the thing. And I remember one of my really good friends saying to me that when she uh, when she found out she was pregnant um, with her first child, she didn't feel she didn't necessarily feel delighted. She didn't necessarily feel, wor- you know, sad, but she just immediately said she felt worried. And she yeah. said that that worry hasn't stopped since. And now she has another child. And, you know, and it, it that's so true. Like there's there's nothing but a low level sense of, I hope everything's okay. I'm, you know, and it's, it's just always there. It just always sits there. It's just always there. Yeah. And I think once you accept that, actually life just gets easier. Do you know what I mean? And also it totally. puts your own vanities aside. Do you know what I mean? Like that job that you're going for, or, you know, that thing you hope you get, or those shoes you want or whatever, you know, it's all irrelevant compared yeah, yeah. to the health and welfare of your children. Totally. Completely agree. It really puts things into perspective and you just kind of think, once they're okay, I'm okay. That's how I feel about it anyway. Absolutely. Um, you must have three times the amount of worry that I have because 
you have three boys you just have a hobby as far as I'm concerned yeah I like I'm I'm, I'm on holiday right now compared to you and your three boys like I mean not just one not two but three boys but you, know what, you know what Ashling? like I'm, I'm joking about the hobby bit because like the honest thing is that I think I was probably more nervous as a parent with one child than I am because yes. yeah. you know one you get more relaxed about it uh, the third starts to drag themselves up, you know, because they go yeah. and they get away with murder. Um, but I think most importantly, once you become a parent of a child, your time isn't your own anymore. You know, you're kind of on the clock. Um, you're worrying. You're kind of in the trenches, regardless of how many children you have. Do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. once you've got one, you're there. Yeah, I agree. And often people say it's more difficult a transition to go from zero children to one child than it is to go from one to multiple to two to three to I four. Agree. I yeah. agree. Because your life is changing. Do you know what I mean? Your time is not your own and and you're accountable. So suddenly where you never had conversations with your partner, your your boyfriend, your husband or whatever he is in your life or whoever she is in your life. You suddenly you're now going, well, what time are you going to be back at? Because I need to be here and there. And I can't do that job if you're not here. And there's this kind of, you know, power struggle sometimes. Yeah. Because, yeah. And it's 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 foreign for both of you, I think, because suddenly mm-hmm. you're explaining your movements where you never had to before. Yeah, that is. I never thought about it that way, but you are almost you are accountable to other people. And whether that's yeah. a partner or childcare or it's the child themselves, like you, you kind of. You're right. Even I found that like I actually found that transition quite difficult because I would have always been a very like, you know, I, I liked freedom. I liked that yeah. ability to just go and do and not have to think. And that definitely was a massive shift for me, you know, to ha- having a child going from one child to two and then two to three. Did you find it was just cha- like it was just chaos on top of chaos? You just kind of roll with it. Absolutely. And again, you've kind of like, you know, you're not so vain about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're, you're happy to just let things slide if everything's OK. You know, your highlight yeah. would be, you know, months overdue. And I think your standards drop a bit. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean you're prioritizing these little people, especially when they're so young and you get over yourself a bit, you know. But I was like you and like anyone pre-children, you know, I would have finished a job and gone, I think I'll go to Dundrum now or I think I'll like saunter Mm. down Grafton Street. And I could be there for three hours because no one's asking me what time you're going to be home at. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Sauntering just doesn't happen anymore. Like I I don't, I can't remember yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the last time I sauntered like that would be no. such a pleasure because there's always somewhere to be and there's always something to do. How close in age now are you? Th- what age are they now? Um, uh, Reese, Reese is six. So he's the youngest. Uh, yeah. Ewan is 10 and James is 11. OK, so they're kind of they're close enough in age, particularly the oldest two. Yeah, they are. Did you find that kind of that little bit of a the, the older two obviously coming very close together? Was that a case of, you know, we might as well just get it, you know, get it, get it going. Like you're in the trenches. You might as well stay in the trenches type thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also we'd been married for a few years and I think it was probably more me than Ben going, you know, let's just enjoy our married life kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, live together and enjoy it. And yeah. I think his, his point at the time was, oh, I think we probably should get on with kids because we'll be delighted later. Yes. Anyway, I was like, no, let's enjoy a few years. So we did that. And then you go to have children and you assume it's all just going to fall into place. And it doesn't. Yeah, yeah of course. I had a series of miscarriages. And then you start going, oh, my God, why was I like sauntering, you know, for yes, yeah. the last for- few years? It was the same with uh, my husband and I. We we decided we were going to enjoy being married. And we were married for four years before we even thought about conceiving Lydia. And then sure we assumed this will be grand it'll just happen straight away and it didn't um you you said you had miscarriages was Mm. that before your first and how Mm. how did that kind of affect you know when you did have a successful pregnancy I suppose that went full term was there a lot of worry there was there kind of was the kind of joy taken out of it a little bit because you were worried about potential loss 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it knocks your confidence. So the the first pregnancy, everyone delighted, you know, the whole family so excited for us. Of course. Um, it was all a gorgeous time, but it was early. It was like six weeks. And um, but like it doesn't matter. I always say this to people, like it doesn't matter how early in the pregnancy you've 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 your whole the whole thing is planned in your head, isn't it? You know, you're about to become a mother. And you have that date in your head and you're working towards it. But anyway, six weeks into the first pregnancy, I remember Ben was playing golf and I just was struck down with terrible pains. And I knew as soon as the bleeding started, uh, I knew this isn't good. Uh, and I went into Hollis Street and um, they they just said, look, it's, it's a numbers thing, you know, like one in five pregnancies or whatever it is ends in a miscarriage, which I never realized before. Um and I went home and, you know, we cried and yeah, just dealt with it, I suppose, in our own way. Um, and then I just assumed it was just very unlucky and we'd go again. And I don't think we ever had a problem getting pregnant. But the second one, I was a bridesmaid in Italy for my cousin's wedding. Um, and it was around the might have been a little bit later, like seven or eight weeks and the morning of the wedding, I mean, you couldn't write it. Um, and the hair and the mate, you know, that fuss. Oh, no, yes. Pain in the room. Now, that wasn't obviously for me, but I hadn't told anyone. I think my cousin knew that I was pregnant, as in the bride, and I was her mm -hmm. bridesmaid, but I nobody else knew. Um, and and I was extra cautious because it was take two, you know? Of course, yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I just remember the fuss of the makeup and the hair and the dresses you know all of that excitement in the in the hotel room on the morning and I was about to sit down and get my hair done and suddenly I felt those same pains again and I was utterly heartbroken because in my head I was thinking oh this isn't a numbers game now this is a problem this is I can't carry a baby you know um, and I ran to the bathroom. Thankfully, it's a family wedding. So my mom was on the trip and I was okay. able to get her called up to the room or whatever. And I just remember exactly the same thing, like heavy bleed. Uh, and I was just heartbroken. Do you know, I was heartbroken at the fact that we've lost, you know, another pregnancy. But also what does the future hold was my bigger worry. Of course. Yeah, of course. You know? That kind of indicated, like you said, a bigger picture as in one loss is devastating and unfortunate but like you said it could potentially just be the look yeah. of the draw in a sense yeah. but two might have meant something more so where did you go from there and did you have to like what did you do that day did you have to take part in the that day my cousin was gorgeous about it and she was like okay look, it's it's my wedding and you're my bridesmaid but I have no expectation now of you actually doing okay. that and I said to her I actually think when I pulled myself together after a few hours um I think I missed my hair and makeup slot, <laughs> which would be unlike me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I said, you know, it's actually better for me to get on with things. And okay, like, otherwise, what's the alternative? You're sitting in a hotel room all day on your own or with your partner crying over it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled myself together, put my big girl pants on and I got on with it. And you know what? I laughed and I danced that day and I, I, I enjoyed the day. I do look back on it with with great sadness because like deep down I was worried you know I was worried about coming home I'm going to have to see a specialist what's wrong with me I suppose mm -hmm. yeah, and I yeah. feel like you've let down your partner as well you know like he was excited he's looking forward to the future all the usual stuff but mm -hmm. the day was lovely we came home obviously I made an appointment with a specialist straight away uh, they ran some tests and it seems the fix was uh aspirin I just went on aspirin I got pregnant again and the okay. next three pregnancies in fact the last one on Reese I don't think I took aspirin at all but right so maybe it wasn't aspirin that fixed it I don't know they couldn't see any other any other complication I understand yeah so that's what they did and and the the following three pregnancies worked out fine thank god and now you have three healthy boys. Yeah. And if you had told me actually that morning of the wedding in Italy, you know, you will end up with three boys. I would have said that's clearly someone else's life. I'm never <laughs> going to have the mother to three boys. But yeah, I would have been overjoyed to hear that then. Yeah, of course. Of course. And with the three boys, I mean, I have a nephew who's around the same age as Lydia. Um, my sister and I were pregnant at the same time, um, just purely by chance. And he is 
the only way I can describe him is he is different from Lydia in the sense that he is he's the best boy but he is a total whirlwind like he runs into every room he enters he is into everything he wants to look inside everything he wants to take things apart he wants to like he's just it's totally different from Lydia in that he's you know he's he's chaos in the best possible way but he is so so different from the little girl in the family if you know what I mean yeah how are you how are your boys in that context are they all do you find them all to be quite similar are they different is there you know one who's the the mad one or you know yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's the kind of setup for you guys? I would say they all have different personality traits as in one is probably you know more thoughtful one is more sympathetic one is more selfish you know just different traits that kind of define them I suppose or not necessarily define them but make them different um, yeah but they're all as you described. And that's obviously just a boy thing. They they go yeah. through rooms like a whirlwind. They don't walk, yeah. they run, they jump over couches rather than walk around them. Like even if you watch them walk into school, and I don't know whether this is a girl, this is a child thing or just a boy thing, but they can't just walk with their school bag no. on their They have to bash the bags off each other or, you know, pull leaves off trees or (laughs) actually I follow Mama's Mama's Still Got It. Do you know that girl? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually did a reel on how my kids walk. And I thought that is them. Like they're hopping off the curb. They're back on it. You know, everything is done in this kind of clunky, crazy. How many things can I touch and feel and pull and jump at the same time? So it must be just a boy thing. That's what I figure because honestly, she is, Lydia is so, yeah, like she'll walk into a room, she'll sit on a chair, she'll, you know, and listen, she gives me, she also is, she has her own. cheese up her nose. Listen, she also puts cheese up her nose. And two months ago, it was a raisin that she put up her nose. So look, she does give me her own fair share of, and listen, she has the attitude of a 16 year old already and she's two. So I dread to think what she'll be like in a couple of years. But how does a house with three boys continue to function? Please tell me, I would love to know. Well, I think it's one of, it's a bit like letting the highlights grow out at times. Mm. You get over yourself, you know, and I regularly say that to me, get over yourself. It's not a show house. It never will be. You know, and in the grand scheme of things, I'm glad it's not, because if I take myself back to that disappointment that day, you know, I'm thrilled to have a house that's wrecked with scuffed uh, skirting boards and, you know, monster trucks crashed around the house. (laughs) So, like, yes, it drives me nuts. Yes, I strive to have, you know, an island in the kitchen without a billion things on it or whatever. Yes, Um, Yes. But, you know, in the back of my head you know the, the the practical person goes get over yourself and sit down mm-hmm. and my husband's line is always stop wiping down counters and have a glass of wine with me lovely because my my whole thing in life is I'll just do this quickly wipe yes, down yeah, counter yeah, yeah. it's like stop wiping down counters it doesn't matter just sit down and have a glass of wine not yeah. not a breakfast time obviously but you know yeah to remind me in my head I'm like I have to tick all the boxes and then I can relax totally I'm exactly the same and I you know, every time she goes, whether it's she goes down for a nap or she goes down to sleep, I whip around the house like a, yeah. you know, like a crazy woman putting this away, putting that away. And 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 I almost feel like I, I can't move on. I can't go to bed myself unless everything is, you know, and I just sometimes sometimes it just gets too much and you just have to go. Do you know what? I actually can't. I just have to rest or I just have to prioritize yeah. myself a little bit, you know, but I, I one of the things that I always ask um, guests on the podcast is I'm fascinated by just how people manage in terms of like you, you have little bliss, you have your clothing line, you have all your presenting gigs. If you're hosting gigs, you've so much on work-wise, then you have the three boys, then you have, you know, friends, then you have family, you have commitments to keep up with. Every parent listening has the same juggle, whether it's one child, two children or, or however many um, and whether it's a, a full-time job or freelance or whatever, I would love to know, I like, how does, a, what does a week look like for you in terms of, obviously no week is the same, but do you have childcare? Do you have family support? How do you do it? Because there's such a misconception out there that, you know, people just have their shit together and everything is fine and everyone yeah. just manages. And a lot of the time, the help or the support or the village isn't, out there front and center and people get this idea that oh why am I struggling why can't I do what Ashling is doing or what Anna is doing or what Mary is doing you know 
So how do you make it all work, if you know what I mean? Well, first of all, I probably don't make it all work, as in there are weeks like last week I was doing hospital live for RTE. Mm-hmm. And that is like 10 hour days, 12 hour days, if, if you factor in the time from you leave the house to the time you come home. So mm-hmm. that's a week where and it always makes me laugh when you, you talk about women working. Right. And mm-hmm. being mothers. Um, because I remember like Simon and I did a show together for a long time, right? Simon Delaney, and we would do press together and never would they ask him the father of four children, right? And this is not directed at you, by the way. This is yeah, just yeah, explaining yeah. the, the yeah. male who's the spinning the plates in the background, right? In my life, um, they'd never ask him, how do you juggle it all? But they'd always ask me. Mm-hmm. And my answer is always because I have a man in behind the scenes here who's running his business and spinning the plates but no one ever asks him how he spins the plates or how he juggles it do you know what I mean totally yeah I think the answer in my case is I was gone for the whole week last week now that's very rare you know Mm -hmm. I am a mother who's regularly at the school gates most days so Mm -hmm. that's a unique week I suppose that's a big television opportunity for me of course yeah of course I'm going to show up for it um but Ben picks up all the pieces on a week like that do you know what I mean drops to school yeah. collects them does all the sports you know he coaches a team anyway one of my kids teams um so the answer to your question like the bulk of that is a very supportive husband behind the scenes who happens to run a business that so Ben Ben worked in his family business mother care that was lost during COVID and mm-hmm. subsequently they set up him his brother and sister set up Collide, which is a nursery brand yes online and now they have uh, their first store in Bray and it gives him the flexibility so he might still put in a 10-hour day but he can do it you know at the kitchen table on his laptop or he can be there or he can be at the school gates so and I think he'll probably always want to have that flexibility of running his own business so he'll still put in the hours but they'll be put in differently I suppose and that's what makes things work from our point of view um in addition to a wonderful lady who comes in once a week to help me with the hardest cleaning jobs in the house and makes me feel better about the fact that the bathrooms aren't horrendously bad or bed linen has changed. Mm -hmm. And that's the best uh, money that I spend on a weekly basis, I would say. I would sacrifice an awful lot to pay that lady Mm -hmm. her salary for coming in three hours a week. It's not the most lavish thing you've ever heard. But it makes me feel like the house is kind of, you know, close to presentable as totally. two hours a week. <laughs> yeah. And the big stuff is done. Like I find uh, I have someone who she actually comes in once every two weeks for a couple of hours and she does. Yeah. She does the big. Th- so as in she gets into the shower and she scrubs down the tiles. And I mean, look, you and I both know that day to day there are still a million jobs to be done and a million things to be cleaned and wiped up and you know there's spilled things and there's crumbs all over the place and day to day that's constant I mean you know you don't there's there's no I'm going to start my jobs now and I'm going to finish my jobs now it's just a constant job really isn't it but yeah those big things it's so uh, like that I would sacrifice a lot to make sure I can have someone to help me with that and I think it's really like I love that you're saying that the support of your husband makes your career more flexible and, and, and possible and his flexibility makes you be able to take those jobs or you know because a lot of the time I mean for anyone my my husband works full-time and so I have some childcare during the week to help me I've helped from family and Lydia goes into crash a little bit but anytime anyone asks me you know how do I do it or how, you know all these jobs that I I because I as a freelancer I have a few different gigs yes I always say I, I'm not like, I don't feel like I'm doing, I don't feel like I'm doing well. I feel like I'm drowning almost at times. I feel like I'm dropping balls and dropping plates instead of spinning them. And I like that, you know, you've said you have a husband who can work flexibly and you have someone who comes in to give you a dig out with the, the big cleaning jobs. I have the same. I have someone who gives me a dig out and I have help, lots of help from my family members, like yeah. invaluable help. But I want to I, I want to always ask that question and get someone's real answer, because I think it's so important to, to give that message to other mothers. Do you feel like knowing that nobody has it all perfectly juggled? Do you feel that gives you a bit of a sense of, OK, I'm not 
doing the worst job in the world. Exactly. Yeah. I think if you're to look at, you know, the people that you aspire to, the people you follow on Instagram, the people who, you know, appear to be these great success stories. I don't think they always get the balance right because I don't think any of us are getting the balance right all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like I remember interviewing Kate Winslet, sorry to drop a name now, but I asked her that question because I was curious because it's not even about money. Of course money helps, but you know, I said to her, you know, in your level of superstardom with all of your resources, um, Mm. Do you still get that sense of guilt? And she said, oh, God, absolutely. And she said, and and bear in mind, I work on projects where people can't do enough for me, my kids, tutors, on-site, everything we possibly request. And still, there are weeks where I'm not getting it right at all. So I think we all need to give ourselves a break on that front, to be honest with you. Some weeks are about work. Some weeks are about family. Uh, You can't plan it necessarily. But you mm-hmm. do hope that across a calendar year that there's some level of balance. Mm-hmm. And like uh, one thing I always try and remember is so the only thing that children really want is is time spent. Like that's literally all they want. So if you can find a way to get that into your week and make sure your children have, you know, seen your face or talk to you on Zoom or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be necessarily every day at the school gates, but just time with you knowing that there's, you know they're special and that they're important in your week is all that matters and sometimes so important my husband's much better at that actually uh, mm-hmm. as in the, the time is quality time so mm-hmm. I'm not saying he doesn't you know help in the house he does but he will let the dishwasher pile up or you know the kitchen get all messy to play football out in the green with them or you know just take time to you know build a piece of lego whereas i'm doing that wiping counters down again i'm like i'll do that in a minute i just have to do 10 things first and actually i really need to discipline myself to go do you know all of that can wait who cares that the kitchen is like a bomb site help them with the lego and i have to really remind myself to do that rather than trying to make everything perfect first Mm -hmm. i do that too and and one of my one of my most commonly used phrases that I absolutely hate when I hear myself say is, mommy is just doing blah. And I always say that to her, I say, mama, mama is just whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always catch myself saying it and go, no, mama isn't just go over and see what the child wants and chat to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think, I mean, mother or parenting guilt or mom guilt or whatever you want to call it. I don't think that there's ever an end to that. Do you, do you struggle with mom guilt? I do and I don't. Like, <clears throat> sometimes I'm very practical about it. Like last week, I just had the family stuff written off because I knew, you know, okay. I can't I can't expect, I can't be expected to do any of it. So it's not going to happen. But mm-hmm. I know that this week I'll make up for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm conscious of it, but I'm not beating myself up over it. Mm-hmm. How have you got there? Because I really do still now, obviously, I'm only two years into into parenting, but I still really struggle. Um, If I'm if I'm working, I feel guilty that I'm not with her. If I'm with her, I feel, God, I should be doing this or I should be earning money or I should be cleaning the house or whatever. And they're just it's kind of just a rolling ongoing sense of of guilt. So how like practically speaking, how can someone who's listening or me indeed move on from feeling constant guilt beating yourself up over it I think Mm. the the most important thing for me before the kids went to school so the three of them go to school now down the road excuse me and I I think life has never been so easy in terms of you have a morning to yourself so that's I suppose a bit of a revelation for me in the last year or two you know before that it was dropped here dropped there you know child care solutions you know, Eki finishes at 12 or whatever time it finished at, you know, so you didn't get a good run at a morning, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's just to sort your house out or to do some work or to get to a gym session or whatever it might be. So I think I'm in, I'm on easy street compared to the way it used to be. And Reese finishes a little bit earlier than the other two, but he goes to, and these are the things that make life a bit easier. You know, it's one hour between half one and half two. And there's a load of mothers that would collect a child at half one and stay at the school till half two. Mm-hmm. And that feels like an empty hour to me, right? I know now, what you mean, yeah. It's a personal choice, 
but you'll get to a point where you'll have one finishing at a certain time and the other an hour later. And there's loads of mums that are happy to, to sit around in cars or chat to each other or go for a coffee or whatever. I have a one hour solution where Reese goes into a little, it's called the cookie club. It's one hour and I pay for that on a monthly basis, which means I've got one pickup at half two and it's the three of them together. And he's enjoyed an hour with his pals doing coloring or whatever they're doing, building something. So <clears throat> I think opting for those simple solutions like that one hour after school makes your life a bit easier. You know, it's yeah. like picking the right holiday resort or, you know, it's yeah. those solutions that you kind of have to be clever about that start yeah. to make your life a bit easier. This podcast is just one way that every mum supports you. Another amazing way is our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland. To receive yours, register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. That one pick up a day makes, I think mentally as well, makes a difference. You know, even though it's only an hour and it might not seem like a huge, but but to know, okay, my children are now taken care of from 9am until 2.30. I have that time to do whatever it is that I need to do. Do you ever, do you ever get time to yourself? And in terms of like taking yourself out to lunch or sauntering or going to look around the shops or, you know, any of those things, do you, how do you find that, that time for, and I, I don't really love the term self-care because but but a, a kind of along those lines, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you do you get time for that? And if so, do you relish that and think that's important, or do you find that that makes you think, oh God, there's so much more I could be doing with this hour, this afternoon, this morning. Yeah, I'm very practical with my time, um, but I think there's nothing like meeting a friend for lunch. You know midweek if you can carve that time out because mentally I think you kind of dine out on that for a few weeks afterwards even you know you're kind mm -hmm. of glad you caught up with that person yeah I only said to Glenda recently Glenda Gilson who's a good pal of mine you know Glenda I left her a voice note it was like the principal talking I was like Glenda the days turn into weeks weeks turn into months we have to get a date in the diary and she was she came <laughs> back on oh my god you're it's so true because we're we're like that with so many people do you know what yeah. I mean so Put the date in the diary today. There's a message for anyone shooting in. Just put a date in the diary. Agree a lunch, a dinner, drinks, whatever with someone. Because I do think for weeks afterwards in your head, you're like, there's, there's kind of positive endorphins from it or something, isn't there? They're like, oh, I'm so yeah. glad. And, and that was really funny, the thing we laughed about or, you know. Yeah. And then you keep in touch more or you send each other more messages because you're thinking of the conversation that happened and there's a follow on from it. So I think that's really important. Friendships are hugely important to me. My closest friends now are my girlfriends that I grew up with in Temple Oak that I went to school with. Mm -hmm. I know that's probably unusual for a lot of people and it's 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 a tricky one. Um, it just happens to have worked for us. And mm -hmm. we have a girls fund that we contribute to and money goes in every month. Uh, so when we do a weekend away or whatever, it feels like a free weekend because Brilliant. we pay. Yeah, and we've Brilliant. one person who's the organizer the treasurer um, <laughs> the most responsible person with money so she's amazing at sending us the you know the log of who owes what or whatever yeah um so I think those things are hugely important and mm -hmm. uh, I will always carve time out whether it's a last minute thing or planning for friendships mm -hmm. and it's just so especially when kids come along because they yes. suck up so much time mm -hmm. and they always will they, yeah, and it, that that never goes away. So you kind of think, I remember like in the early days of when Nidia was, was a tiny baby thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll get, you know, I'll, I'm I'm in the trenches now, but I'll get to my, I'll get to start going back out with my friends. I'll get to blah, blah, blah. But yeah. really it, it only gets busier. So you're totally right that you, you just have to plan it. You just have to schedule it in and you just have to commit to seeing your friends and commit to keeping in touch. And it's, um, I sometimes feel, you know, God, am I being, and actually I had a, a message from a stranger on Instagram uh, a few months back. It was, it was a particular week where I, it happened to be a friend's birthday. It was my birthday and it was something else. There was a couple of things on and I was out, you know, maybe three nights that week. All when Lydia was in bed already, by the way, just, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I remember get, <laughs> getting trying this. To justify it. <laughs> no, I know. But th this is the thing, though, because I, I got this message 
from her, this woman being like, oh, sure, you're living a great life. You wouldn't think you have a child at all. And I'm just thinking, and I actually, yeah. And I wrote back and I remember being like, well, first of all, you haven't a clue what my week looks like, what my month looks like. And also it's after she goes to bed. So, and, I, and I did, but I did feel the need to justify it, you know, as, as though I was being selfish. Do you ever get a uh, commentary like that? Um, whether it's, you know, from trolls online or do you, you know, do you ever feel that kind of, am I being selfish? Am I being a good mother? Am I, you know, if I go and spend a weekend with my friends or how do you kind of feel about all that? I haven't had a, a comment about the family thing or, you know, are you spending enough time here, there or anywhere, but I would dismiss it quickly because my conscience says, you know, I, I, I have a clear conscience on that front and you, and you yes. should, still, you know, yes, yeah. Um, even when you're not with them you're thinking of them you're organizing yeah. something for them you know you're trying to keep keep up with all of their you know mine are a bit older so there's school tours to be paid for and dates in the diary and you know so you're still being a mother even when they're not there um the odd troll will will say something along the lines of you know in relation to appearance or dress or you know oh you think you're fabulous or you know something along those lines which years ago would have would have stopped me in my tracks <clears throat> mainly because I wouldn't be that kind of person myself so you know it's kind of shocking to think people yeah. mean do you know yeah. what I mean when you yeah, come yeah, from yeah. a lovely now my family are like proper slaggers but they're you know there's all heart in it if you know what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. it all comes from a, a nice place my friends are you know I always think it's good when people are slagging you in 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 a friendship sense because totally. you don't really have banter with people you don't like. So yeah, but you know they're all really good people. So when you get someone who's genuinely mean, it's mm. kind of shocking. Um, and then they can tell you, you know, with social media, they can actually tell you we don't like you or we don't think you're a good presenter or whatever. Um, so it used to stop me in my tracks. Now it doesn't. Now I kind of look at the person and I often go into the profile picture. <laughs> And go, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to listen to that person. Or I think it probably says more about them than it does about you. And also yeah. quite often when you do click into the into that person's profile or comments, if it's Twitter, you'll see that the last 10 or 20 comments have just been mean things to people on the telly. So mm -hmm. they're just sitting there firing them off, you know, yeah. firing yeah, them yeah. off, by the way, to people who are out there putting their best foot forward, you know, carving out a career for themselves while these people sit at home doing feck all. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. we need to remind ourselves of that. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think one of the things I, I often I don't often get negative comments at all, really. But the odd time that I that I do, it, I don't know how, but they often, you know, th like like that one really. I was already feeling that that week. I was already yeah. feeling God like I have been I've been out three evenings this week and I should be doing X or I should be doing Y or I should, maybe I should have stayed because, you know, maybe I should have stayed for the for the bath and bedtime instead of getting ready during bath and bedtime or whatever yeah. it was. I was already kind of feeling that way. Um, I mean, we have enough guilt on us. Never mind then someone coming in to remind you, well, you should actually feel guilty about that. So they always have a way of of finding the thing that you're already a little bit aware of. And yes putting it on you you know and they're the ones um, that hurt aren't they like you're doubting yes. what you look like or how you feel and then suddenly they articulate it totally. now they've said it now it must be true you know yeah totally and that's... they get you at a weak point mm. when you're tired or you're already having some kind of a guilty conscience yeah then, yeah then they have you yeah and it's and that's why I think you know a couple of the times that that has happened to me particularly as a parent and, and, you know, you don't even have to have, I mean, obviously you, you as a TV presenter, you've a, you've a huge profile, you're very visible. I don't at all. And yet still I get negative comments about my parenting or about, you know, whatever. And I think even people with, you know, hardly any followings, there's, there's always, people are very, very, very quick to critique yeah. someone else's parenting style or, you know parenting choices or weaning choices or whatever it is that they're doing around their child did you did you get a lot of unsolicited advice you know when you were pregnant or when you were in your early days of of being a parent and um, because I think there's a lot of unsolicited advice given and I, I definitely didn't want any advice as in 
maybe from my mother, maybe from my best friend. Yeah. But other than that, do you know, did you yeah. find a lot of, did you have to uh, say, oh, thanks very much. I think when you're pregnant, and that's why I'm hyper-conscious of this when I am when I meet anyone who's pregnant. Yeah. I think I, I, I got an awful lot of advice when I was pregnant about how it's all going to go. And you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to bring that. And actually, like, there was very, very little of it mm, kind of translated into anything practical. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was just other people's experiences. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> the only advice I'd ever give anyone who's pregnant now is, you know, go with the experts yeah. and listen to their advice because there ain't no planning it. Do you know no. what I mean? You can have no. all the hypnobirthing plans in the world. You know, you don't know what way it's going to pan out. No, totally. So go with it. Try and breathe. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Try and stay conscious and listen to the experts. That's all yeah, I'd ever go say. But I, do, I do feel a bump tends to bring on this tsunami of advice from people. <clears throat> and, and you know, most of it is very well placed. Yeah, and, of course. And, yeah. And well intended, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I think probably hold off on your, especially the gory stuff, because I'm very squeamish. So, you know, the more gore I heard about other people's horror stories, the more I thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unless I, I feel like it's always <laughs> wise to, you know, unless someone asks, you know, if someone directly says, yeah. can you tell me about your experience with your cesarean section? I will, of course, tell them my experience. Um, And if someone says, can you give me advice on you know sleep coaching or whatever the the topic might be obviously you know if someone looks for your advice give it by all means and people do you know there are plenty of people out there like um someone I was speaking to recently had a vaginal delivery on her first and she was going she was having a planned cesarean on her second for you know medical reasons and she was asking me how I found my cesarean section so we chatted about it and I told her and and actually I think I put her mind at ease because I was able to fill her in and say look when you have a cesarean section, it's not just you and the midwife and maybe a consultant. It's, you know, 14 people. There's there are anesthesiologists and there's this person, that person. And I kind of gave her a bit of the prep. Now, obviously, to save her, you know, being scared, I didn't tell her, well, the recovery can be very difficult. I just said, well, during recovery, you might need to do this or whatever. Um, But I think, yeah, giving unsolicited advice often not very welcome for for no, mothers there's not, there's not much value in it no you know and I, I nobody more knows the person well and tell them it's yeah you know, the exciting time totally and not get into the specifics but that's me being a squeamish person maybe other people like the here's what it's going to look like stuff mm-hmm. I, I just didn't need it as in you, it served no purpose for me other than you know more scared to- yes totally and that's the last thing you want to do for yeah. someone who's expecting a child but you you must know from having three uh, three different full term pregnancies with your three boys and then three different deliveries. How I mean, you're the same person. You delivered the same child. You know, three different three three children. Yet I'm sure every one of those deliveries was completely different from the next. Yeah. How, how did was. they go? <clears throat> yeah. The first two were born in Mount Carmel, by the way. So everything was a bit more controlled. Um, and they induced me on the okay. first one. Um, I think they did on the second as well. So it was very controlled, uh, very long. Um, right. You know, I got the epidural, um, but it was it was a very long time. And I remember being very anxious, but I felt very safe, if you know what I mean. Um, on the third, Reese came fast and furious on Halloween night. Uh, I'll never forget driving from, when I say driving, Ben driving, obviously, me got into labor from Greystones, where we live, to Temple Oak, where my parents are, to drop the two lads, James and Ewan, to them um, in the middle of the night. And it was Halloween. And I remember driving through Rathmines after dropping the two and on the way into Hollis Street. And there were like clowns and elephants and all these people coming out of what used to be Tramco. I don't know what it's called now, uh, but I would have went there, you know, and all these. And I just remember thinking, this is so surreal. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a really bad trip. Do you know what I mean? I'm pregnant and it's just, oh, it's just so weird. And then getting into Hollis Street um, and there were like fireworks and stuff going off still. It's Halloween, you know, that vibe. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I, I just remember thinking, oh my God, this is just so bizarre. And then I got in there and I was in there for a very short time, like barely got the paperwork bit done and, and I could feel everything coming very fast. Oh my and I gosh. Broke and I remember there was a fireman who'd obviously brought someone else in on the corridor and I was down on <laughs> force. And I just kept thinking, this is not the way I would plan this. <laughs> you can't plan it. So he no. came fast and furious and there was no time for an epidural. Oh but actually, gosh. it was very fast and I was up. Um, now, I was stunned, but I was up and having a shower within a couple of hours. So okay. very different experience on the third than the first mm-hmm. two, which was all very controlled and careful and yeah. a lot more civilized, I would say. Yeah, um, that that's a, it sounds very dramatic. You know, the way they, they say, you know, the way you see in films and you see the dramatic water break at home and then the rush to get to the car and then the car into the maternity hospital and then the woman being wheeled into wherever like it doesn't often happen that way and I think there's such a misconception about how deliveries mostly take place it's typically quite a long process but speaking of traumatic moments so uh, the cheese up the nose at the weekend wasn't the most dramatic thing that has ever happened with Lydia but with you having three boys there must, over the course of time, have been injuries and trips to A&E or broken oh. bones or anything like that. Have there been dramatic moments? And if so, how have you kind of, how have you coped with those? Because, I mean, even a, even a minor thing like the cheese up the nose and I was up to high dough. How have you, how have you managed that? I, I'm close to getting some kind of a gold card for the uh, Leia Clinic in Cherrywood. <laughs> fast track gold card VIP <laughs> membership I definitely shouldn't like the amount of times I've mentioned it now I definitely should be like some kind of a <laughs> ambassador for them um, I've driven from football club to to uh the frat, what's it called whatever the layout yeah the clay, yeah, the, yeah um so many times with golf ball bumps on heads or you know uh, the latest one was Ewan broke his wrist, a bone in his wrist in a football match. Um, and for someone who's squeamish, like if you had told me years ago, you will end up being the mother of these boys who play a lot of sports and get injured a lot. I'd just be like, that's not going to be my life at all. That will not <laughs> suit me one bit. Um, I imagined a very gentle gentleman's family with a little boy and girl who, you know, yeah, brushing the doll's hair or something. Um, it's exact opposite of what I would have ever expected for myself. But actually, you just suck it up and get on with it. And it's amazing mm-hmm. how I'm very conscious of being a squeamish person, and I, I don't love seeing blood. Um, funnily enough, coming off the back of hospital live, my family think that's hysterical. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> for another day. But I'm very conscious of not sharing that fear or squeamishness with my kids. So I have to be strong. Do you know what I mean? And also, no choice. If a child needs urgent attention, you you know, and you're the only adult there, it needs to happen. Now, a lot of the time, Ben has been there, thank God, but there's been plenty of times where I've had to call him or get child from A to B. And it's it's not a nice experience at all. Uh, Like, I was just, I'm just remembering, recalling the, the doctor putting the, I don't know, some kind of, some kind of instrument up Lydia's nose to try and see the cheese and she was crying and it was one of those cries you know the way they have different cries it was one of those cries where she was I could tell she was truly in distress and I was trying to hold her down and in that moment I don't know if it's the same for you in that moment holding her there and listening to that absolutely heartbreaking cry I just I just compartmentalized it I just put it in a box and I went I, I have to be the responsible adult mother here and I have to yeah. do what needs to be done. Yeah. Can you, can you do that? Can, do you find you can do that thing? Yeah, I can. Um, but I never thought I would be able to. So for anyone who feels like I'll never be able to deal with that stuff, you will, because you've no choice. It's kind of fight or flight. You yeah. know, it's your child and you want them fixed or you want them better or you want to do the right thing. So you just have to, it's like deep breath, worry about it later. And then later when things are okay or they end up in the cast, in our case, yeah. <laughs> um, you almost can laugh about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're alive, yeah. they're okay, they broke a bone. You know, they keep saying mm-hmm. at home in my house, 
does the mom never break a bone? Like it's so <laughs> weird, you know. <laughs> you it's do not more weird thing that you guys just break them willy nilly. Yeah, break them on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do. Yeah. I do think though that parenting. Um, I certainly have found it gives you a strength that you didn't know you had. Have you found that with your boys? Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I think it toughens you up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in other ways, it really softens you. You know, mm-hmm. I remember years ago, Mark Cagney, when I started on Ireland AM saying, you know, I think I must have been pregnant on, on James, the first child. And he said, you know, it'll it'll knock any hard edges off you. I'm not sure whether that was a compliment or an insult, to be honest. I'm not sure I was ever a hard ass. Well, I can confirm I was never a hard ass, but I know what he means by it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It turns you into like a, a mess, uh, an emotional mess over the smallest little thing. Like I couldn't watch a movie about someone hurting children now. God, no. God, I just no. couldn't do it. Do you know, no. or if someone says that's horrendously sad, I'd be like, well, I'm not going to, I won't be entertaining myself with that. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I find the same. Put on edge quicker. Yeah, and you're, and I, I completely agree. I can't cope with any uh, sadness for entertainment now. I know that sounds silly, but any, any emotional films, any, anybody getting sick in a film, or anything to do with a child being unwell oh. or, or dying or in a difficult situation, I just, your heart would break. I can't cope with it at all. So yeah. in a way. You know, it does give you a strength, but I, I think Mark Agnew was probably correct. And it does yeah. knock. It, yeah. does, and it actually, does take the edge off. You're always right. So he was. He was right. But I think when you need to be tough as the parent with the sick child or whatever mm. the situation mm-hmm. is in, I think I think you do go into, okay, I'm going to be tough here. You do. You to find your strength. For half an hour. Yeah. And then you can crumble later on, then which often I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they're not there, when they can't see Yeah, it. exactly. Anna, thank you so much. This has been such a lovely chat. And I think just there's so, so much there for uh, parents that would give parents confidence that they're not, they're not alone in those situations, that every parent has a version of the same experience, even though we're all parenting completely different children. There's, there's, there's uh, similarities to be found. So thank you so much for yeah. joining us. And you know, we're everyone. all just doing our best, aren't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, no one's an expert. No. Now, although some people think they are, but no one is. Yes, yeah, they're not. <laughs> no, no. Anna, thank you so much again for joining me. Thank you, Ashling. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland for their support. Their wipes are made with simply two ingredients, 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. And they are also plant-based and plastic-free. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. You can share this episode across social if you like and you can get in touch with the guest on social media and their handles will be in the show notes.